What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, I'm Zach. And I'm Jesse. And you're watching Tesla Time News, episode 301 on Now You Know. And we could not have made it to episode 301 without the support of our amazing Patreon patrons. You can help support us, bring you independent news every week by heading over to patreon.com slash now you know. There's really cool perks. I know you'll love them. And today's episode is sponsored by Babbel. Babbel teaches real-world practical conversations for travel and business. So you started taking Babbel courses recently. What language are you learning? I took Italian in high school, but most of it did not stick. So I'm learning Italian with Babbel. I decide how much time to spend on it each day. I chose just 15 minutes a day, but already I've learned so much. Really? So how does it work? Well, Babbel has short 10-minute interactive lessons using award-winning technology scientifically proven to get you speaking in just three weeks. But wait, how does Babbel help you with the speaking? Well, Babbel's speech recognition helps improve pronunciation and accent. Here's me taking a lesson. Louis. Louis, lei, lei, è. Piacere. Piacere, sono la signora Ferrarini. Oh, I see. Babbel has a mobile app. Yeah, the phone app is great. I can do a lesson whenever or wherever I am. I'm so glad you're enjoying Babbel. Grazie. Thank you. If you've been wanting to learn a new language or brush up on one like me, click on our link in the show notes for Babbel and get 65% off your subscription. Yeah, there's no risk in trying Babbel. They offer a 20-day money-back guarantee. So give it a try. Sarai felice de averlo fatto. Back in March, Tesla announced its intention to issue a stock split. Now, in its 2022 annual shareholder meeting prospectus, Tesla has given more details. Yeah, Tesla will be asking shareholders to vote for a three-for-one stock split. So if you have 10 shares of Tesla today, then after the split, you would have 30. <laughs> yeah! No, no, hang on. I am no. going to be a rich! Hang on, remember... The value of each share will be one third. So the total value of your Tesla shares will stay the same after the split. 
so then why are they doing this? Why? Well, Tesla said, our success depends on attracting and retaining excellent talent, not only through providing a respectful, safe, inclusive, and equitable workplace, but also through offering outstanding benefits and highly competitive compensation packages. Unlike other manufacturers, we offer every employee the option of receiving equity. Since our stock split in August of 2020 to June 6th of 2022, our stock price has risen 43.5%. While this value appreciation has led to our employees benefiting enormously through the years, we want to make sure all employees, no matter when they join, have access to the same advantages. We believe the stock split would help reset the market price of our common stock so that our employees will have more flexibility in managing their equity, all of which, in our view, may help maximize stockholder value. In addition, as retail investors have expressed a high level of interest in investing in our stock, we believe the stock split will also make our common stock more accessible to our retail shareholders. Oh, and so this is why Tesla is also asking shareholders to increase the number of outstanding shares from $2 billion to $6 billion. Well, I have two reasons, one expected and one not so expected. We'll discuss that on this week's Investor Club bonus story, so please consider supporting us and joining us on Patreon for that. So last time Tesla did a stock split, it was back in August of 2020. Right. Tesla was trading at about $1,300 a share, and the stock split announcement, along with other positive factors, sent Tesla's share price to a record high of $2,000 a share. Then came the five-for-one stock split, and that resulted in a share price of about $460 a share and a valuation of $430 billion. Today, Tesla is trading at about $700 a share with a market cap of about $720 billion. So as Tesla points out, the stock price has risen 43% from August of 2020 to June of 2022. We'll have to see if Tesla shareholders approve the stock split at the upcoming shareholder meeting on August 4th. And remember, if you have shares, you can vote. Right, because it's up to you guys, the shareholders. Also, I see that board member Larry Ellison will not be standing for re-election. Yeah, the board will be reduced from eight to seven seats. And we see through this filing that Elon now holds a 23.5% stake in Tesla, up from 21.2% in February. But wait, I thought he just sold a bunch of shares. Right, he did. But as a part of his CEO compensation package, he receives a lot more Tesla shares. So the next two biggest Tesla shareholders are Vanguard with 6% and BlackRock with 5.1%. Yeah, I was kind of surprised too because I thought Elon was whittled down to like 16%. But I forgot about the CEO package, which is stock-based. And that is what has been giving him so much flexibility recently, I guess, is that he knows that he's going to be getting a lot of Tesla stock. Right. Uh, it's not worth quite as much as it was a few months ago, but it's still worth a lot of money. Yeah. Hey, if you take a second and hit the like button, we really appreciate it. So according to Korea Economic Daily, Samsung has been awarded a $3.2 to $4 billion contract from Tesla to supply Tesla with cameras for their cars. Tesla had been using 1.2 megapixel resolution cameras for their autopilot sensor suite. Samsung will now be supplying Tesla with their version 4 cameras that have 5 million pixels, and this contract should be covering the next few years. So according to the Korean Economic Daily, sources say that the cameras will be used in the Model 3, Y, S, X, Semi, and Cybertruck. Okay, so that's about four times the resolution of existing Tesla AP cameras. What does this mean? Will FSD work four times better? Well, obviously for a system that uses vision, cameras that have a higher resolution is a good thing. But it's also challenging for the hardware and software, right? Because as you take in more data from the cameras, you have more numbers to crunch both on the hardware side with the need for faster processors and on the software side. For example, people might wonder, why is this show always in 1080p? Why don't you guys shoot in 4K? 
Well, we have to shoot about three hours of footage and then edit it down into a one hour video. And if we had to do it in 4K, it would come out a week later. And we thought that the news should come out on time. So we've opted for a low, like literally this show is a lower resolution. So that way we can process it faster, both in hardware and software. Plus, I think we would look better in low res. <laughs> yeah, I'm really interested where the sweet spot is here, because like you said, more data is probably better up until a point. And what is that point? I mean, how good a resolution camera do you need to maximize the AP system? Also, how much does each camera cost? If we knew that in the length of the contract, we could estimate how many cars Tesla is thinking that they're going to be producing. Ooh, that's a really good point. So comment down below if you know what that number is or if you have any guesses. So as we've been reporting, NHTSA, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, has been investigating 11 Tesla crashes to see what role Tesla's autopilot system was involved. On June 9th, NHTSA announced PE21020 is upgraded to an engineering analysis to extend the existing crash analysis, evaluate additional data sets, perform vehicle evaluations, and to explore the degree to which autopilot and associated Tesla systems may exacerbate human factors or behavioral safety risks by undermining the effectiveness of the driver's supervision. In doing so, NHTSA plans to continue its assessment of vehicle control authority, driver engagement technologies, and related human factor considerations. Also, NHTSA is adding six other crashes that it believes could be related to autopilot. We'll put those on screen here. So NHTSA also said in its report, of those crashes involving first responder or roadside maintenance vehicles for which car log data existed, driver engagement strategy alerts were presented to only two of the drivers within five minutes of the crash. This suggests that drivers may be compliant with the driver engagement strategy as designed. So what does this mean? I mean, so my guess is that NHTSA is going to find that drivers, who, by the way, are supposed to be responsible for driving their vehicles, need to get more frequent reminders to engage with the steering wheel. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if NHTSA requests that drivers be monitored for keeping their eyes on the road. Yeah, I mean, this type of NHTSA recall, although it will probably get a lot of media attention, won't likely affect Tesla too materially because these changes can all be made with over-the-air software updates. And I think that some of the crashes that NHTSA uh, is investigating happened a little while ago, which means that the Tesla Autopilot software has been updated, which means that the problems that were present in those accidents probably aren't going to be present today. That's one of the problems with the federal government investigation is that um, this is based around technology like airplanes where things don't change that fast, right? Mm. I mean, airplanes take years to come up with a new model. Uh, here with Tesla, by the time you've done your two-year investigation, Tesla's onto new software. So in my opinion, it's almost meaningless to do these crash analyses, kind of like you said, because by the time you're done, uh, they've moved on. Yeah, I mean, this is like if NHTSA, and I know NHTSA doesn't investigate phones, but it would be like if they were investigating a phone and they're like, oh my gosh, the, the 2016 Samsung Galaxy Note uh, had this defect. And it's like, yeah, no one's using that phone anymore, dude. Everyone has brand new phones now because that's how it works. Well, it would be like if they're investigating like viruses or something mm -hmm. and you've gotten a virus update, so it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. So, Jesse, do you know what's going to happen in 13 years? We will reach Tesla Time News episode 1000. <laughs> Maybe. Also, the EU Parliament just voted last Wednesday to make Europe the first carbon neutral continent by 2050 and to ban the sale of new ICE vehicles starting in 2035. That's just 13 years from now. So all 27 EU nations will no longer be able to sell new ICE vehicles in 2035. And of course, ICE means internal combustion engine. It's faster to say ice. I mean, I'm happy that they banned this, but it's still so far away. I mean, 13 years. And it means that you can buy an ICE car in, say, 2034, and it'll still probably be on the road till 2050. 
Well, it's better than the European People's Party attempt to dilute the law. They wanted to allow the sale of hybrids, and luckily they were defeated. Well, that's good. I hope that this is a strong enough signal to automakers to really make this transition. Um, but I'm worried that auto execs will just do the math and go, you know what? I'll be retired before this goes into effect, so I don't care. Let's keep pumping out those trucks, buddy. So earlier this year, we reported on Elon saying that he was working on Master Plan Part 3. This week, we got another hint as to what it's about. In an all-hands meeting with employees, Elon said, Master Plan Part 3 is all about achieving very large scale. In order to shift the entire energy infrastructure and transport infrastructure of the Earth, there has to be a very high scale. We have to ask, what is the actual tonnage? If we work backward from, let's say, about 300 terawatt hours of installed capacity in vehicles and stationary battery packs, then how do you achieve that tonnage from a mining and refining standpoint, but also do so in a sustainable way? That's what Master Plan Part 3 is. How do you get to enough scale to actually shift the entire energy infrastructure of, of Earth? Earth? Okay, that's it. What? Isn't this exciting? Shifting the entire energy infrastructure of Earth? Earth? I mean, he tweeted out the same thing like three months ago and we reported on it, remember? Elon did just tweet, main Tesla subjects will be scaling to extreme size, which is needed to shift humanity away from fossil fuels and AI. But I will also include sections about SpaceX, Tesla, and the Boring Company. Yeah, but that didn't talk about the 300 terawatt hours of batteries. Okay, but what does that even mean? That's a lot of energy storage for both cars and stationary backups. Okay, so like a million power walls. So what? No, no, no. Do the math. It's more like 22 billion power walls. That's like three power walls for every person on Earth. Yeah, nearly 40 kilowatt hours for every man, woman, and child. Okay, but humanity uses like 17.7 terawatts uh, constantly from all power sources, coal, natural gas, solar, wind, hydro, biomass. And that's for all applications like heat for industrial processes and stuff. I mean, 300 terawatt hours would only buy us like... 17 hours of battery storage? That's not enough. You're, you're not thinking of this right. How much battery storage do we have today? I don't know, not that much. You're implying that every form of power generation would go offline at once on the whole of planet Earth. Oh, right. I mean, because the solar would be being generated at all hours because the Earth is, you know, round. The wind still blows uh -huh. most of the day. Okay. Right. Yeah, so I don't think you need that much grid-tied energy storage. And I mean, Elon doesn't either. Some of those batteries would go in cars. And some of those cars would actually be batteries for the grid. So 300 terawatt hours could power 4 billion Tesla Model 3s, for example. But there's only 1.4 billion cars in the world right now. Right. So that would be about 100 terawatt hours, leaving about 200 terawatt hours free for power storage or about 12 hours of backup. And I would argue that by this point, we'll probably be using cars as backup storage, too. Okay, so 300 terawatt hours is just kind of a number he threw out there. It sounds like it's a goal that he wants to like hit. Mm -hmm. um, but it sounds w very back of the napkin. Like, isn't this is this really the right number? Shouldn't he have the exact number? Shouldn't he be saying, well, we need 265 terawatt hours? I, I think when you're setting a big goal, you don't have to be exact. You don't need to be that close. Mm -hmm. I mean, I want to just point out, though, that it's hard to wrap our heads around 300 terawatt hours. Uh, just to give you some scale, that would be 8,000 times what Giga Nevada puts out per year in batteries. Every year, Giga Nevada puts out 39 gigawatt hours of batteries. It would take 8,000 more years for Giga Nevada to reach 300 terawatt hours. Okay, so then it's impossible 
Like, what are we? Well, even that's why about? it's a master plan. He's talking about how do you scale this up? And remember the key words here mining and refining. Mm. I think these are really big ideas that we have not thought about yet as Tesla shareholders, that Tesla's probably going to have to get into the mining and refining business mm. if he wants to meet this goal. So, I mean, Elon still has not published his uh, master plan part three. No, I mean, the closest we have was at battery day when this slide went up, which showed that the plan was to have 100 gigawatt hours of batteries by this year, 2022, and they want to have three terawatt hours by 2030. That, by the way, is two orders of magnitude smaller mm. than what he just talked about. So he's, uh, I don't know when this 300 terawatt hours is supposed to come out, but uh, this is big, big stuff. Wow. As we just talked about, Elon had a company-wide all-hands meeting last Wednesday night where he took questions from Tesla employees. One of the questions had to do with Tesla vehicle service. Elon responded, so let's see what Elon said and then discuss. He said, I think we still have a relatively conventional approach to servicing, although we kind of use the vehicle app. So we definitely have better servicing than the rest of the industry, but I really want Tesla to look at how we can revolutionize service and, I don't know, make it 10 times better than the rest of the industry. We definitely want to increase the number of people who actually repair cars. When looking at the total headcount at a service center, the ratio of people fixing cars to everyone else doesn't make a ton of sense. I think there should be a higher percentage of people fixing cars, kind of like we have in the factory. We're going to have, say, one service bay for 12-volt battery changes, another bay for fixing the computer, another one is drivetrain replacement, like more specialized, like at the factory. I'm actually quite surprised because this sounds like common sense to me and something I would have thought that would have been implemented years ago. Which part? For instance, I mean, of course, you want to have great logistics so that the parts needed are always in stock at service centers. Of course, you want to have plenty of technicians. Of course, you want to have specialized bays for problems you see all the time. Why would it take a decade to realize this? I don't think I mean, yes, of course, of course, of course, you want to have all these things. But I mean, Tesla was not in the position that it is in now in terms of stock price, as in terms of profit margins and just overall performance. I don't think that there was money to spend on all of these things in the past 10 years. I understand that early on Tesla didn't have all the resources needed, and I'm willing to give them that. But it almost sounds like whoever Tesla had in charge of service didn't understand what they were doing. I mean, I think Jesse and I have a unique perspective here. We hear from a community of tens of thousands of Tesla owners every day. You guys send us your stories of job well done, Tesla, and your horror stories of I'm waiting for my repair for weeks. All this stuff that Elon said in his response, we've known about for years. So why is he just addressing it now? And if you're saying it's because, well, now I've got the money to do it, maybe that's the answer. I think it's because Elon has been lied to for years. Whoa. B by who? I think his VPs or whoever's in charge of, of service have been handing him dashboards. And by dashboards, I mean in the uh, corporate world, you you send off numbers to your bosses every day that are just basically, you know, 86% of customers are happy. And I think what we've experienced with service, and a lot of you have too, is that when you're done with service, sometimes you'll get one of those things like, how did we do? But a lot of times it doesn't correlate with what you actually want to complain about. And I bet there's no actual dashboard for that. For instance, a lot of times they'll say, oh, you want service? We're sending you a mobile ranger and I'm all happy. And then a day before the mobile ranger shows up, they go, you have to bring your car into the service center. And I'm not happy, but I have nowhere to say that. Mm. I just want my car to be fixed. And so I think on the dashboards, it shows, oh, mobile rangers have solved 96% of the problems. And Elon goes, great. When in fact, I think there's a lot of unhappy people out there and he doesn't know about them. 
And it's also very regional dependent. I mean, I've heard from a lot of people like in the Midwest and stuff who have really great service centers because they were able to convert like a huge giant building into it. And there aren't as many Tesla drivers in that area. So, you know, uh, drivers are able to get in quick, get their cars repaired nice and quick, and they are ecstatically happy. Then there's other places in the world, kind of like Massachusetts, where there is a very high concentration of Teslas. One of the highest. Real estate is a lot more expensive and you have teeny tiny little service centers that were like built back when the the Model S was the only car that Tesla sold. And they were great at handling Model S's because it was this tiny little shop and there weren't that many cars to service. Um, But now it's like choked with Model 3's. And there's no place to store parts. And they have been expanding in some locations, but it's just not enough. And they're picking dumb locations, let's be honest. (laughs) And again, where we're coming from here is that we're Massachusetts natives and we know you know, where they should be putting their service centers and they aren't putting them there. And, uh, well, we've just had a lot of horror stories from a lot of our viewers in a lot of different places, too. I I don't want to just make it sound like it's just up by us. I don't know. We have a whole in-depth about it. You can go watch it. I don't think too much has changed in that time. I'm hopeful that it will be completely outdated by the end of the year. I hope he puts the right person in charge. Yeah. So after that meeting with employees, Elon sent out a few emails to his employees. We only have a snippet of the first one. He said, we actually build great real products that people love and make their lives and the world better. This is so profound. It is an honest day's work that you can feel in your heart. Whatever else is going on in this messed up world, know that at least what you are doing is pure goodness and that I have infinitely more respect and admiration for you than the richest person on Wall Street. Isn't that him? Well, I guess he's not on Wall Street, but like if he happens to be in New York <laughs> then it's and he's himself. walking down Wall Street. And the second email, this one was to production and delivery. This has been a very tough quarter, primarily due to supply chain and production challenges in China. So we need to rally hard to recover. I'd like to congratulate the Fremont team for achieving a new all-time record production day last week and Berlin for making almost 1,000 cars last week. This is great stuff. Shanghai is returning to full strength and Austin is spooling up. Onward to victory, Elon. So I want to try something. For any new viewers out there, please pause the video and let us know what you think about Elon's emails in the comments below. Oh, you want to see what they think before our jaded perspectives change their mind. (laughs) I'm just saying this is all pretty standard fare for Elon sending out emails to employees. Blah, blah, blah. You guys are doing a great job. Blah, blah, blah. But we need to really work hard uh, for this end of this quarter. I mean, look, I know you're right. Elon does this from time to time, but I think it's really powerful stuff to hear from Elon and to hear what he, what he's thinking at that time. I mean, if you're saying it's boy who cried wolf and then he's saying the same thing over and over again, I hope that's not the way this is read. I think that he's actually honest when he speaks. And so this isn't just boilerplate. Let me copy and paste last month's email. I think this is how he's feeling right now. I don't know, because at the all hands, uh, somebody asked about these uh, end of quarter pushes and Elon had to respond. And he said, this has been a challenge since late 2008. There always seems to be something that happens and causes the end of the quarter to be nutty. And this quarter will be no exception, mostly because we had this huge challenge with the COVID restrictions in Shanghai. It basically shut down the Shanghai factory for much of the early part of the quarter. It is only now getting back to full production. It will be pretty intense this quarter. Yeah, we've talked about this before. We really hate end of quarter pushes. I mean, he kind of agreed to that before. And now he's kind of saying, well, because we had a weird quarter, we have to do a big push. I 
don't know what that will actually do. Pushing out a few hundred more cars, I don't think really ever makes the difference. Mm. I think you should just say, look, we're guiding on lower deliveries this quarter because of something out of our hands, you know, and the market will do whatever the market's going to do. I mean, this is like, uh, you know, you borrow from Peter to pay Paul. I, I just think that you would you would deliver those cars the next quarter. Well, we keep forgetting the important part here, which is the demand. The demand right. is there for the cars. They're production limited. That's a great place for a company to be. It is. But then Wall Street wants to see like they're producing cars. I mean, Wall Street is I, clueless. I, I Let's just be honest. They don't know what Tesla is all about. So they just look at the thing that comes out the factory door, which is the cars. Mm. They don't look at any of the other things because they don't know how to count them or measure them. Tesla insurance, uh, Tesla solar, Tesla robots that are coming like they just they don't get it and yeah so i think that you know elon at some point was probably told like hey we really should stop these end of quarter pushes and he was like yes i totally agree um but then this quarter comes along and he's like but wait this is just an exception to that and i just feel like that there's always going to be a big exception his employees might tire of it right no Um, i agree with you on that i do so i don't know i hope that this will be the last one aptera the company that is poised to launch their super efficient three-wheeled solar-powered ev has just closed a reg a plus round and raised 40 million dollars they're expected to begin deliveries later this year wow this is impressive and exciting yeah i mean raising money lately has been tough and i think it's a testament to how well the team has shown their stuff and how many people are excited to get those cars and you can reserve one for a $100 deposit. You can use our link down below to help out the show. And actually, it's cheaper if you use our link for you to get that deposit. Uh, yeah, there's lots of great options in their configurator. I mean, I love the colors and the interior, and I can't wait to get behind the wheel and check one out. Yeah, you can get one for just over $25,000. But I like that they have a bunch of other options, uh, like a camping kit and a pet kit. Um, I'm really excited to take one for a spin. Yeah, and 0 to 60 in 3.5 seconds isn't bad no especially for a car that can go a thousand miles and you know we've talked to the ceos of aptera on our investor club if you want to join you can see that footage and we have an interview with them that you can see right here so the tesla cybertruck has made an appearance at the opening of the 730 megawatt hour tesla megapack project at pg&e's substation at moss landing california on june 6th When the Cybertruck arrived at the event, it appears that it had some changes that we hadn't seen before, including a smaller windshield wiper. Yay! So how does it clean the whole windshield if it's smaller? Maybe just to cleanse the driver's side? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Also, local news crews KSBW got some interior pictures of the cabin, and it appears that the interior layout is now different as well. Look at the main screen, looking much more like a Model 3 or Model Y configuration. And uh, now we see the instrument cluster binnacle as well. I don't know if this is final or if this is just part of what you do to make it drivable. Um, Elon says, it looks like the future. It will be our best product ever, in my opinion. I know that I've only got to sit in it once, um, but I do agree. It's pretty freaking awesome. Oh, I am so excited about this truck. And as you guys may or may not know, we are early on the list. And how do we know that? Well, we're sponsored by Cybertruck Owners Club and we use their crowdsource reservation tracker. So we went online, we checked our reservation number and guess what? We're up around number 20. So uh, we'll be getting that truck pretty early fingers crossed, uh, so that we can show it to you just like we've been doing at the Rivian. So check out their website for Cybertruck news, discussions, and community for Cybertruck enthusiasts and future owners. Ethan just reviewed another fun e-bike, the Swift Zip Fat Tire e-bike over on our Now Let's Review channel. This is a scrambler style e-bike. Can I just say I've fallen in love with this bench style seat. So if you picture a bike in your mind, one of the features that's always bothered me were those tiny seats. Now, when I was a kid, I had a bike with a banana seat. 
But for some reason, as you get older and you get bikes, it's like you can never go back to those awesome seats of yours. Awesome seats of yours. Well, I guess now you can. Yeah, e-bikes make it possible to have what you want on an e-bike. These are features that make bikes more comfortable, fun, and arguably safer without having to work harder. Check out Ethan's review if you're thinking about a fat tire e-bike, because the price may be right. Oh, and I almost forgot. Ethan just posted another video. It's a review of the Olight headlight and taillight. If you or a loved one ride any two-wheeled vehicle, even if you don't ride at night, I urge you to watch this review and consider getting a headlight and a taillight for your e-bike, scooter, whatever. Yeah, seriously. They make you so much more visible on the road. Ethan demonstrates that in the video. It could save your life. So remember late last year, we reported on Audi's charging hub concept? Oh yeah, that was the one with the second floor lounge. I thought it was an interesting design. I just wanted them to build more of them. Well, it looks like you may have gotten your wish. Audi announced in a press release this week that they plan on building more in Switzerland and Germany. Wow, imagine hundreds of these charging lounges blanketing Europe in beautiful charging infrastructure. Uh, well, not hundreds. Well, of course, dozens though. There are dozens of us, dozens! No, right now they're planning on six. Six? Uh, by the end of 2023. Uh, they've actually only got locations planned for three of them so far. Okay, well, you know what? That's okay. Audi is ramping up production of their electric vehicles, so it's going to be a slow start, but the beautiful lounges will make it all worth it. These ones don't sound like they'll have lounges. What? I thought they were modular and like easy to build. You're actually thinking of the charging cubes that Audi makes with Second Life batteries. Uh, these compact chargers, uh, the ones that they're building now, uh, will have solar roofs and battery storage to reduce draw from the grid, but it sounds like no lounge. Sorry. So then why do this? Four charging stations is nothing. How will they even make money at these? I think it's more of a marketing campaign. Um, these chargers are in very public, well-to-do places. I mean, the next one is going in Zurich's banking and insurance district. Oh, for all the people opening up Swiss bank accounts. Exactly. And if we think about it like that, it's kind of smart. Mm. Audi knows their demographic and this is better than a billboard. It's just a little scary to think that Audi is going to open six chargers in two years and Tesla opened nine new supercharger stations this week alone. Um, yeah. I mean, from a marketing perspective, again, it's kind of cool. You have this thing where you're like, oh my gosh, it's this new way of thinking about cars. No, it's a really good point because when Tesla opens a supercharger, it is it just never makes news. Like no one ever talks about it in the mass media, whereas this is like sexy and lounges and so. So it's going to get picked up by the press. And so everyone's going to be like, oh, Audi's doing such amazing work. Right. Whereas Tesla has the ability for you to drive almost anywhere like in North America, uh, like in the populated areas of North America. Um, and Audi just doesn't have. I mean, if we're talking about Audi charging, specifically not using other third party right. chargers, then, yeah, it's like it's a complete farce to be opening this. And my other thing is, is this kind of like a bait and switch? Are you setting expectations mm -hmm. too high, yeah. you know, for the highfalutin, rootin' tootin' uh, folks that go to uh, Zurich's banking district to open their Swiss bank accounts and safety deposit boxes and Jason Bourne and all that? Are they going to be disappointed when they go out and they say, oh, what a fancy charger. I will buy my next Audi, it will be electric. And they buy it. And then they go, where are the cool chargers? This is f***ing bullshit. 
Why don't they put the uh, banks into the charging lounges? You know, you go in there to, I'm going to visit my safety deposit box while I'm charging. I mean, we actually talked about Bank of America having chargers. Right. It's not a bad con- look. Not- <laughs> look, I do like the Audi concept. It's very expensive. Right. You can't open as many. If, if the Tesla superchargers were all like that, we'd have less than half of the superchargers in the world. We'd have so, none. So I do see that it's not a feasible thing it's just really fun yeah although we are going to talk about a very fun tesla supercharger location later in the show and you know i actually found the original audi charging hub on a better route planner uh, you can use it on a trip from hamburg to munich in your audi e-tron if you wanted or your trip from oslo to paris to venice to madrid right a better route planner can let you plan out a really long or complicated route with in-depth waypoint planning yeah you can set what percentage you'd like in the battery you'd like to arrive at every waypoint with and so that way if you want to do some exploring for the day you know that you have the range a better route planner can even help you find restaurants hotels and other amenities on your trip taking into account all the charging and driving with every charge if you drive an ev you owe it to yourself to check out a better route planner the ev trip planning app that offers so many cool features like waypoints use our link in the show notes below to get a 30 a free trial to the A Better Root Planner premium app. And you know, if you want to share a story in this show, um, but you don't want to share the whole show, we have a clips channel called the Now You Know Clips channel where we chop these into little bite-sized clips, make them easy to share on your social media. Marty Young, an associate professor and paramedic instructor at the Roan State Community College in Knoxville, Tennessee, he writes in to share his article called A Different Perspective on Regenerative Braking. The basic premise is that a split-second stop to avoid hitting, say, a child running out into the road can be vastly affected by using regen braking in an EV versus an ICE car, where you have to move your right foot over and apply pressure to the brake pedal before the vehicle will slow. So here's an example he gives. A car traveling 55 miles an hour will cover 80.6 feet in one second. He argues that it takes roughly 1.5 seconds to lift the foot upwards off the accelerator, move the foot laterally to the brake pedal, and begin to press on the brake. And then another 0.3 seconds for the pads to make contact with the rotors, or that's 145.1 feet. In an EV with regen braking, the slowing begins almost immediately when the driver stops applying pressure to the accelerator. The formula for kinetic energy is velocity squared. So by reducing speed at impact by half, let's say, you reduce the impact energy by a factor of four. And so this is one of the reasons why Teslas are vastly safer cars. They have very strong regen. Yeah, when you get into an ICE vehicle after having not driven one for a while, after being in an EV, it just feels like you're going backwards in time. It just feels so stupid. No, it feels like you're going forwards and it just isn't (laughs) slowing down for some reason. All right, here's a weird video we got from the city of Chengdu in Sichuan province of China last week. Um, Wait, what is going on? Yeah, so those are Chinese police. They're seen in the video redirecting only Tesla vehicles onto a different road. Now, this is reportedly because Chinese President Xi Jinping was visiting and didn't want Teslas spying on him. So that road that the Teslas weren't allowed to go on goes nearer... Xi Jinping was visiting? That's what we hear from many Chinese residents. The Chinese military still seems to feel that Tesla's cameras can spy on sensitive Chinese locations. No comment yet from either Tesla China or the Chinese government about this. So I'm interested to hear your comments, though, especially if you have some knowledge about what's going on in China. Um, Comment below. Do you know anything about this? I do know something, and we're going to discuss this on this week's Investor Club bonus story because it's something you might want to know about. All right. If you care about EV tax credits and you haven't seen our in-depth from last week, I urge you to watch it. Not only is there a way for you to win a Rivian R1T pickup truck, but Mike Tidwell explains what's going on right now on Capitol Hill and how you can affect the outcome. 
But speaking of Washington, D.C., the White House announced last week that they have a plan to develop new standards for the first ever national network of 500,000 electric car chargers. Well, that sounds good. Standards for EV chargers. That's great. Sounds good. But I looked into it and it's a plan to develop new standards. So in other words, the Federal Highway Administration, which falls under the Department of Transportation, has a document. We'll post the link below. It's called the National Electric Vehicle Infrastructure Formula Program. This is great. Let's let's just read it for everybody so that everyone sure. knows. About yeah, it. it's yeah. Uh, 82 pages long. Uh, okay. you, you don't want to read it now? Well, I mean, I thought it would just kind of, you know. Yeah, no, this is very uh, political speak. Okay. And it basically they're asking for input on what the standards for EV chargers should be. Uh, installation, operation, maintenance of EV charging infrastructure, the interoperability of EV charging infrastructure, traffic control device. But it goes on and on and on, mm -hmm. um, which is great. You should try and figure out all those things. But I was really excited to read this document because I thought it was going to tell us exactly what the federal government wanted. Mm -hmm. And instead, the few places that I did find out what they wanted, for instance, how many chargers do you think there should be per location? Oh, me? Yeah. I mean, if you were making this document, what would you say? Probably. Like, What's the minimum you'd like? Like, like eight. Eight is always good when you pull into a supercharger and there's eight location, you know, stalls. Yeah. They're proposing four. Oh, that's. What's the minimum charging speed you'd like? I mean, at a, at a fast charger? Yeah. Like 150 kilowatts. That sounds great, except they're only suggesting that, not making that a minimum. I mean, it's tough because there are, you know, exceptions to rules and stuff like that. But the problem is if you write the rules for the exceptions, They'll just... then it's not a real good system. You right. know what I mean? Uh, so because like I can understand there's some places, you know, oh, way up in, you know, Alaska. Yeah, maybe you only need four stalls. But if that's going to determine, you know, what you're going to be making in L.A. And right. they're like, well, four stalls says right here four stalls. That's what we're building. OK, I don't know why this guy is in <laughs> L.A., but he's from. Yeah, <laughs> I think that we should really talk to our friend uh, Joseph Barletta. He's uh, from Smart Charge America, mm -hmm. knows everything about charging. Yeah, knows go more than check out that interview right here. He knows more than pretty much anyone about charging. Luckily, he's been talking to the Department of Energy. I'd like to see what his thoughts are on this. So um, maybe in the future, we're going to get him uh, back on the horn and, and chat a little bit about this. Look, I got to say, I'm worried that this will just be a money grab. I mean, with companies saying like, oh, yeah, we got this. We're going to build some beautiful EV charges. You just keep those blank checks coming, federal government. Right. Because, yeah, will there be enough of them at each location? Will they have good maintenance agreements? So, you know, when they become broken, is it going to be six months before they get fixed or are they going to be fixed the next day like they do at Tesla? Will they have good charging speeds? Will they be reasonable? priced? Um, will they be easy to use with like a single app or something? Will you be able to see them before you get there and see how many stalls are available? Yeah. For the president to come out and say, we have a plan. And then for me to read the plan and see that most of the plan isn't a plan yet. They're asking for what the plan should be. And the few places where they have a plan, it's crappy. I'm just worried that this is going to be a repeat of Electrify America, which I got to be honest, if you spent billions of dollars and you come up with their charging network, you didn't do it right. The plan should say, copy Tesla. That, it's a two-word plan. <laughs> copy Tesla. It It is true. I mean, I am so glad that some people have good experiences with Electrify America. I have I have had maybe two good experiences with Electrify America look, out of probably 30 times. Look, look here's tried. the problem. We have a president who won't even acknowledge that Tesla exists. Mm. And so everyone in the federal government, I mean, he's the leader of it, mm -hmm. is going to say, oh, well, if Biden doesn't really like Tesla, we're not going to really mention Tesla in this document. We're not going to try and meet that standard. And that's the problem. Tesla has set the bar here. You need to at least go for that bar. Yeah. I mean, otherwise, 
I'll be honest, it feels like a fake. You're thing. setting us up for failure. Because I've seen people go to Electrify America chargers and the chargers don't work. And those people are kind of distraught because uh, they bought a car that has nowhere else to charge and they're um, going to have to go to a level two charger and sit there for hours. You know, in fact, I have footage of someone at an Electrify America charger. Floating. I haven't, I've just approached it now. That's not a good sign. No. This one's off. Oh, crap. Wait a minute, and this one's iced. Oh, sh This always fing happens. Yeah, it's not gonna work. Every single fing time. Uh, that person was very distraught. Yeah. And I mean, look, that was, what, a week and a half ago? So. I mean, it's not like, oh, but that was in the past. Just That just happened. Yep. It was just the other day. I don't think that it's some big exception. It was just a Electrify America charger that On an picked. average day. On just an average day. So it's like, uh, this is what I'm talking about. Uh, meanwhile, I had someone else drive my car down to the Cape in my car. Didn't even have to, didn't even worry for a moment that they would be able to find several superchargers on the way and that they were all working perfectly. The Dutch EV startup Lightyear has finally opened the ordering page for their flagship EV, renamed from the Lightyear 1 to the Lightyear 0. Yeah, this five-seater solar-powered EV, or SEV, will have five square meters of solar panels for an additional 70 kilometers or 44 miles of range per day from the sun, and 625 kilometers or 388 miles of tested range from the 60 kilowatt hour battery. So keep in mind, this is WLTP range, but Lightyear claims that you can go 695 kilometers or 432 miles of combined solar and battery range per day. Now, it's not a quick or fast car, zero to 16, about 10 seconds and a top speed of 100 miles an hour. Um, I'm assuming that they limited the acceleration and speed to maximize range. One cool factor here is uh, the coefficient of drag is less than 0.19. And if you know anything about that, that's even slipperier than a Model 3. Co-founder and CEO Lex Hofslut made an interesting point at the unveiling. He said, electric cars are a step in the right direction, but they have a scaling problem. By 2030, we can expect 84 million electric vehicles on the roads in Europe alone. There's no hiding from it. Access to charging stations will not keep up with the demand for electric cars. To minimize plug charging and maximize range, the industry's strategy so far has been to add batteries. That increases the carbon footprint of production and in turn boosts the weight and the need for high-powered charging stations. Our strategy flips that approach. The Lightyear Zero delivers more range with less battery, reducing weight and CO2 emissions per vehicle. If you're interested, you can reserve one of the only 946 Lightyear Zeros on Lightyear's website. So the first test drives are going to happen in July and August. They will start production in Finland this fall with the first deliveries expected this November. The starting price, get ready for it, is 250,000 euros or $265,000. Okay. Uh, Lightyear is planning on making the Lightyear 2 SEV, which they say will have a starting price of around 30,000 euros and expect to start production in late 2024, early 2025. So this is kind of like the roadster of their production line. Yeah, I mean, it's a high price, but it is a pretty cool vehicle. There's nothing really else that we're seeing that has uh, four wheels that looks like this. And that it has that much solar range. That's an incredible amount of solar panels. Definitely. So next I want to talk about Sparky. What, my Model X? Uh, no, Sparky the Tugboat, um, Auckland, New Zealand's newest tugboat. Oh, well, he has a great name. Actually, this Sparky is a she because she is a ship. Oh. 
Um, but her real name is Damien RSD Tug 2513 Electric. Uh, she is just one of a few electric tugs operating in the world. She carries 2,784 kilowatt hours of battery, um, which should save 465 tons of CO2 per year, equivalent to taking 100 cars off the road. So will it save the port any money? Sparky should only cost one third of what a diesel tug costs to operate. Wow. I think Sparky has become my favorite tugboat. Oh, speak for yourself. All right, it's time for Into the Future. And we're sponsored by our friends over at Henson Shaving. Look, I know this is weird, but like every week I shave for the show mm -hmm. um, and I can't wait to shave. Right. Because I attest my face gets all itchy and then I'm like, want to shave, but I have to wait. Um, but I really look forward to it because I'm using a Henson shaver. Why do well. you have to wait? Why don't you shave more often? I mean, I can actually. And, and I have before. And it's actually really nice. I used to be able to only shave once a week. So I'm, I'm like stuck in oh, that yeah. thing. So I have to remind you then. Yeah, because like with the Henson, I can shave multiple times a week and not have my face mm. want to kill me. Whereas with the razors I used in the past. I, it was like one week and I would shave and then my face would explode and then it would heal and then it was ready to shave again. And I was so disappointed. Henson has really made a difference in my life. I have been getting less facial acne. Uh, it's 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 pretty cool. You should check one out. Uh, and if you use the code now, you know, when you're checking out with one, you can get 100 free blades that could last you up to three years of shaving. And by the way, our viewers love them. Uh, over 1,800 of you have bought a Henson shaver, mm -hmm. and I think that's a testament to it. All right, so what do you think about when I say swarms of robots? Ah, it's a sci-fi horror movie. Is that what we're talking about? No, you should be thinking about farms. Check this out. It's the battery-powered Xaver planting robot developed by the German company Fent. It's this medium-sized robot that autonomously works with other robots to plant a crop as a swarm. So you just tell it what field to farm with and what seed and what density, and it does the rest. It works day and night until the job is done. So Fent is a subsidiary of Agco. It's a major worldwide manufacturer and distributor of agricultural equipment in 140 countries. Agco invested in Apex.ai, which developed the autonomous software that drives the Xaver robots. These Xaver robots can plant with centimeter precision, all while using 90% less energy than conventional machines, and there are zero emissions. Wow, it reminds me of bees. Bees? Because, you know, bees like do this amazing job that we just don't even think about, mm -hmm. which is pollinating flowers. Mm -hmm. And they do it in a really smart way. Like they only fly to one kind of flower mm -hmm. per trip. So that way they're not cross pollinating mm. uh, flowers with different species. I don't know. It really reminds me of bees and how they interact. And I think that that's just so cool that we're we're developing technology to kind of mimic nature like that. We'll see who brings in more honey. He's thinking about bees again. All right, it's time for Going Green, and we're sponsored by EcoWare. And if you want to get some really cool designs, uh, carbon offset, so everything's carbon negative, actually. We plant trees, we cap abandoned oil wells, uh, and we have awesome designs that you can talk about with your friends. Head on over to EcoWare. Lots of cool, not only T-shirts, but like mugs and flip-flops and everything you can imagine. Mm -hmm. Go check it out. All right, so have you heard of the company Energy Dome? Have you heard of the movie Biodome? Welcome to Biodome. Welcome to the future. Biodome. Jesse, come on, focus now. It's not that kind of going green. But the value of purple sticky punch goes way beyond just tokening. 
Energy Dome. They've developed a process to store energy by compressing and condensing CO2. The interesting thing is that they store the thermal energy generated by compression in water so that they can then reverse the system more efficiently. Oh, come on. What do you think you're so smart? What do you think you're some rocket scientist? Yes. Sorry. Okay, so this is similar to high view powers air battery mm -hmm. where you compress and liquefy regular old air. Just in this case, they chose to use CO2. Right, and so they need to store the uncompressed CO2 somewhere, so that's why there's the dome. Biodome. All right, it's time for sunspots. So Ken sent us this story from Oregon about Nextera and Portland General Electric's latest solar and wind battery project. Kate Brown, the governor of Oregon, just signed into law HB 2021 last year. It requires utilities to reduce carbon emissions in Oregon by 100 percent by 2040. So this is the Wheat Ridge Renewable Energy Facility that you're seeing here. It just went online in March. It's 300 acres and it generates 350 megawatts of clean energy, enough to power 100,000 homes. It also has a 30 megawatt battery. And speaking of solar, President Biden last week waived tariffs on solar panels imported to the U.S. from Cambodia, Malaysia, Thailand and Vietnam for the next two years. This means that about 80 percent of solar panels imported into the U.S. during this period will not face tariffs. So why did Biden do this? So remember, there was a probe started in March by the Commerce Department into whether some companies importing solar panels were circumventing tariffs on goods coming from China by shipping the panels through Southeast Asian countries. The probe had caused a lot of projects in the U.S. to stall while they waited for confirmation on pricing because they were like, oh, no, prices are going to go up. That's going to affect our project. Let's just put a halt. Okay, right. But like all this could be solved if we just like made the solar panels in the U.S. So why don't we just do that? Well, the U.S. is trying to ramp up production of solar panels domestically, but we are way behind in this area of manufacturing. So the U.S. currently can produce about 7.5 gigawatts of solar panels per year versus the 13.8 gigawatts that were imported last year. And what's this that I heard about President Biden authorizing the use of the Defense Production Act? Yeah, this is a power that the president of the U.S. has. It was enacted in 1950 because of the Korean War and it's been authorized about 50 times since then. It allows for accelerating domestic production of certain products that the country deems important and requires businesses to accept and prioritize contracts for materials deemed necessary for national defense, regardless of any losses incurred on the business. So Biden has authorized the DPA for the production of clean energy technologies, including solar panel parts, heat pumps, and electric transformers. Okay. I don't know exactly what impact this will have, but I think it sends the signal to the industry of like, oh, we should ramp up. This is something that the government <laughs> likes. Um, and if you're a business, doing things that the government <laughs> likes can can go well for you. Yeah. Yeah. Keep in mind, the Department of Energy has a lot of money that gets thrown around. Hey, and if you'd like to put solar on your roof and save a lot of money, but you have a lot of questions, our friends at Energy Pal are there to help answer your questions for free. So go check out the link down below and tell them that Zach and Jesse sent you. All right, it's time for video contributor stories. Remember, we love your stories. Send them on in to us at hello at nowyouknowchannel.com. Make them two minutes or less. Shoot them in landscape and have good audio and no music. So what do we got this week? So Robert, you remember Robert from last week's video contributor story? Well, he went to Manly Hot Springs, Alaska. This weekend, I'll be driving in the opposite direction of Circle to Manly Hot Springs, Alaska, the end of the Elliott Highway. So this is the end of the Elliott Highway. I made it, it's a little bit past Manly Hot Springs and terminates at the Tanana River. So this is the Manly Roadhouse. This is where you'd usually come for a restaurant, bar, food. They're currently closed down. 
Uh, the town had a massive flood less than a month ago and they're still recovering. So this is the new Manly Hot Springs Resort. They just opened up this past winter. We got some cabins here, uh, some more lodges that way. They're gonna be building a bar restaurant lodge up there. There's the bathhouse. We'll be checking that out in a minute. Uh, they put in the first 24 hour gas station over there. Um, they're building this place up brand new. So let's go check out my accommodation. All right, enter my room. I tell you, it's nice here. Um, this resort that they're building up. I've got uh, basically everything I need. They set me up with all kinds of snacks. They have charging outlets, just 110 right outside the cabin for me to use. So this is a new bathhouse with the resort. I'll walk in, check it out. Oh. Ooh, it feels nice in here. They said it pumps in from the well at 104 degrees straight from the ground. So this is the original hot springs, the original Manly Hot Springs. As you can see, it's a greenhouse that's got four tubs in here. Now this is awesome. These four tubs right here, they've got one filled up over here. This one's hot water and oh yeah, that feels nice. You got that, there's grapes hanging down from these. Um, so this place isn't open, um, but they graciously allowed me to come in here and take pictures of it. They have some things they have to fix before they can open back up to the public and said it might be a few years before they get to that point. But I could have, would have loved to have been able to come here back when they operated. Wow, Robert's an adventurer. I know. I mean, he says his next adventure will be trying to make it all the way to Prudhoe Bay. That's the end of the Dalton Highway. It terminates at the Arctic Ocean. That's about 300 plus miles north of the Arctic Circle, 500 miles north of Fairbanks. We hope you make it. Yeah. Good luck, Robert, on your trip. Maybe bring some solar panels with you yeah. or something uh, although, and go in the summer and you'll get 24 hour uh, sunlight. Good point. Huh? All right. Time for our Patreon bonus stories. Yeah, we've got two Investor Club bonus stories this week and a whole lot of Patreon bonus stories for you. Uh, so, yeah, Ford, uh, Tesla carries a tree, a couple new EVs and much more. Because, look, this week we had a lot of stories. We couldn't fit them all into the regular news. So we give some bonus stories to our patrons. Um, if you want to check those out, you can head over to patreon.com slash now, you know, support us for as little as a dollar a month and you'll get all of these Patreon bonus stories. All right, we're back from the Patreon bonus stories. It's time to give shout outs to the people who support us at $5 or more a month. They get their names in the end credits as well. Who do we got this week, Jess? We've got Michael Carew, Jason Sills, Scott Parkinson, Michael DeForest, David Ahn, Gail Simmons, Lauren Bose, Gareth Lloyd, Donald Schneider, Tim Roltkin, I am Nelms, and Dan Allard. Thank you so much for supporting us. We can't do this show without you. All right, so we did a Patreon poll this week. And by the way, if you want to enter the poll, go on over to Patreon. Join us at the $2 level. What was the question? Will Tesla's value go up or down after the upcoming stock split? Interesting. So what did our Patreons have to say? Most people thought that it would go up. All right. And, uh, Good news. There you go. 
All right, it's time for Elon's Tweets of the Week. We put it back into the show. I was missing it. I got to be honest. I was missing it. We're not going to put them all in here. We yep. just kind of cherry pick the ones we like. Lex Friedman said, what's outside our universe? Is it possible for humans to ever know this? Can a video game character ever learn of what's outside the game? I'm eating an apple outside 7-Eleven at 4.40 a.m. pondering this. Who am I and why am I here? Elon says, that is why we must expand the scope and scale of consciousness so that we may learn the answers to these questions. What other CEOs are saying that? Um, none of them. Jeremy says, note that when recirculation is on in Teslas, the ambient CO2 concentration in the air spikes to extremely high levels. I used to get headaches on road trips, but without recirculation, I do not. Uh, what is he talking about? We're talking about CO2 concentration in the air. I have a CO2 monitor right here. And uh, what this is, is a little thing that measures what is the parts per million of CO2 in the air. So this is just for global warming. That's the only reason you have this. Uh, no. Uh, so we've been sitting in this room for about an hour talking. And, um, you know, the AC is on and it's, uh, you know, blowing air around the room. But you may notice that the CO2 parts per million has gone up to 700. And is that I think, bad? Um, well, it's not good. At about a thousand parts per million, you can look this stuff up. But you know, I get I get sleepy, at like, and I start like I, in our office. We we keep this in our office, yeah. and like when it gets to about a thousand, um, I I'm just like I can't write anymore. If you've ever fallen asleep in math class, it might have something to do with this. It might also because you played RuneScape until four o'clock in the morning. Because you know when you were a kid and you learned about like you breathe out CO two and trees take in the CO2 and turn it into oxygen. And you were like, oh, okay, but there aren't any trees in my room. So like I'm breathing out all this carbon dioxide. Doesn't it just build up in my room? And everyone was like, I don't know. I'm just your science teacher. This is third grade. That's um, not written in the curriculum. It's true. Um, and so what he's, and so what Jeremy's talking about here is that if you recirculate the air in your car, you're essentially in a tiny bubble and the CO2 um, can build up in that bubble and cause you to get drowsy. And Elon said, we'll look into this and adjust. In general, I'd recommend against using recirc as the range advantage is small. So basically only use it when you're behind a smelly truck or something and then remember to turn it back off and get fresh air into your car. It could keep you awake and that could keep you alive. Homar's catalog retweeted the Babylon B joke article about Tesla employees' cars will now drive them to work against their will. Elon says, my diabolical plan is coming together. Elon then said, there's something special about enjoying movies in a theater with total strangers. I hope that never goes away. And then Renata asked, what is the last movie you saw in a movie theater? Elon said, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Hmm. Tesla owner Silicon Valley said FSD beta handles a complete U-turn at a roundabout. Mind blown, the Tesla software continues to get better and better. Elon says we're going deep on roundabouts. Should get noticeably better with 10.13. I think we should uh, hop in the car after this and go check it out on roundabouts. Definitely. And Elon said humor is one of the great joys of life. And lastly, we've got Ed Howard who tweeted out Tesla Diner, Drive-In Theater, and Supercharger Station final renderings. 20 Easter eggs to be found if you know Elon's world. So, yeah, we talked about this last week. This could be what it's going to look like in Santa Monica at that new supercharger drive-in theater that they're going to build. Right. Um, I don't think it's going to look anywhere as good as this because this looks uh, freaking amazing. It could still have Starlink launch in the background, though. <laughs> that is at true. At Vandenberg. That is true. All right. It's time for Community Mail Time. Community Mail Time. Remember, you can send in your stories and photos to hello at nowyouknowchannel.com. Jonathan attended the Long Beach Electric Expo recently and said it featured lots of e-bikes, electric aquatic devices, scooters, and of course, EVs. The highlights include the Arkimoto, the Aptera, the Rivian R1S, Livewire, Lucid, Polestar, VW, Kia, Indy, and Lexus. 
Sunil spotted this BYD last week in Chino Hills, California. He said that the Chinese gentleman driving it worked for BYD and was driving as a part of a test fleet. Ooh, B- BYDs are coming. I guess that means China is coming. We did an episode on that with Sandy Monroe. Yeah, that's uh, pretty It's coming important. true, it looks like. So Chris shared this post from Drive.com Australia of the first Model Y spotted being delivered in Australia. And within hours of Tesla opening their website recently to orders in Australia, the delivery dates for Model Y has indeed been pushed back three months already. Demand is through the roof. And Elon said, we're working on accelerating right-hand drive Model Y production. Didn't expect demand to be so high. Why not, Elon? (laughs) Why wouldn't you have expected it to be so high? Frank shared what he found at Hertz at LAX. Hey, look, there's a white Tesla. And we're at the Hertz lot at LAX. This is your old buddy, Frank. And I thought I'd walk up on the way up to the rent-a-car place and and look at what kind of things are going on here. Here's the cars that, uh, well, there's a flat tire on a Nissan. But here's a uh, Model 3 with, uh, gosh, smash, glass, uh, the B pillar. Uh, Here's a restraint bolt and a Model Y. Here's uh, a <laughs> camera's not working. Keep walking out. Keep walking out. Red model. Uh, face broken. Broken the street. It's all still in the Anyway, that's the kind of thing that Hertz is having fun with here at LAX. Lots of broken Teslas. But, you know, they have 500 of these, so just a few were out. Just like any other car, right? Cool it. That's it. And, uh, traction control, stability control, steering alignment. Oh, well. Uh, See you next time, Zach and Jesse. Frank also sent these photos of the working Teslas at LAX. So, yeah, it's not Tesla's fault. Every rental agency has a lot full of broken things that renters do to their cars. Uh, We're not blaming Tesla for this. We covered the Energica electric touring motorcycle on Patreon bonus stories last week. Um, Well, Remy sent us this picture of an Energica at the Tesla supercharger in Europe. So thank you, Remy. And by the way, we miss you. Stephen wrote in to say, I recently took the QuickCheck mobile on a road trip up the east coast of New Zealand, the beautiful Kaikoura coast. On the 1,800-kilometer journey, I stopped at the Johnsonville Supercharger in Wellington. Here I spotted this wheelchair-equipped wrapped Model 3 looking old and rusty. The attention to detail was amazing. It included a front grille, smoking exhaust, and even glued-on legacy door handles. (laughs) Gary sent in his full self-driving story. He said, to my surprise, I received the update to full self-driving beta yesterday. Um, Why am I surprised? I'm in Vancouver, Canada, and I joined the program to get full self-driving beta several months ago. Vancouver traffic is extremely congested. After a couple of months of trying to get a 98% safety score, I gave up and opted out of the program. Why? Because I kept getting false frontal collision warnings. My other scores were almost perfect, but those FCWs kept pushing my score down. I didn't think there was any way I could get a 98% score, so I opted out. Over the ensuing months, my score slowly slumped to 94%. Then yesterday, there was my update to FSD beta. I don't understand why, but I'm not complaining. I'm going to put FSD beta through its paces in the insane Vancouver traffic. Thanks again for your excellent YouTube channel. I've been a subscriber and Patreon almost from day one. Oh, thank you, Gary. All right, it's time for Supercharger Reviews. But before we get there, from our beautiful Superchargers section this week, let's talk about a beautiful number, 35,000. Now, we don't have any pictures, but Tesla just opened their 35,000th Supercharger stall. Wow. It happened to be in Wuhan, China at the Dongxiu Tesla Center. 
That's 5,000 superchargers deployed in the past six months alone. So remember, send us photos of beautiful supercharger locations. And if you happen to have one of this supercharger in China, please send that along. All right, so let's see what we've got for superchargers out in the world. Hey, Zach and Jesse, it's Carlo speaking to you from Jasper, Alberta. Uh, I'm glad to report that there are now eight new uh, supercharging stations that are about to open. They're not open yet. They still have red tape on them. However, there are actual uh, destination charges further down the street uh, within the town of Jasper. So there's still, so Tesla owners can still be in service. Hopefully in the near future, these guys will be open and a Tesla uh, owner can actually park, charge, and while charging, uh, visit the many shops and amenities, the hotels and restaurants and gift shops, as well as actual public washrooms that are on this side of the street, which is the Canut Drive, which is the main drag here in Jasper, Alberta. Uh, so overall, I'll give this uh, site, once they're open, to be a 9 out of 10 because of all the scenery, including extra flow chargers. And of course, the reason why to come to Jasper, which is visiting and viewing all the natural beauty of our mountains uh, that are part of the northern, northern edge of the Rocky Mountains here in Canada. And hopefully, uh, encourage, I mean, just four hours east of, uh, west, sorry, um, Edmonton, which just opened its brand new Tesla store. So now you know. Hi, Zach and Jesse. This is Scott reporting in from the version two Tesla superchargers in Brewer, Maine. There are eight superchargers, 150 kilowatts in the parking lot of a Ruby Tuesday. When they're open, you can use their bathrooms and get something to eat if you wish. Just before you turn in to go to the superchargers, there's a Dunkin' Donuts where you could grab a coffee if you want. And across the street is a Walmart. Got the full 150 kilowatts. I'm gonna rate this one a seven out of 10. Now you know. Hey, Zach and Jesse, this is Tom in Moorhead, Kentucky, giving a review for the uh, Best Western Eagles Inn in Moorhead, Kentucky. We have four destination chargers, two Tesla destination chargers, and two clipper creeks they're coming in about uh, a variable of 48 amps to 80 amps uh yeah you heard me right 80 amps so if you get one that's on the far right you actually pull 80 amps so great place to sleep great continental breakfast and uh there is a don senor which is a mexican restaurant that's within walking distance so the rooms are very comfortable i highly recommend it so especially if you just need a place to lay over and sleep and let your car charge, it's a great place. I give it a, a 9 out of 10. Thank you guys. Take care. Soon to be open 12 stall supercharger in East Chase Shopping Center in Montgomery, Alabama, right off 85 South. There's also two charge point stations not connected to power yet, still under construction. Zach and Jesse, this is Josh Parton from Montgomery, Alabama, East Chase shopping center we just got finally finally after forever our superchargers at the target shopping center so we got target we got tzatziki's to eat chipotle even a grocery store over there i give it a 10 out of 10 now you know Thank you so much for doing Supercharger Reviews. It's one of the most favorite parts of my show because I love seeing different parts of the world and I love to know that there are Supercharger stations so that I could get there. All right, what do we got for new Superchargers in the world? 
We got the 12 stall in Orlando at 7826 West Sand Lake Road in Florida. We got the 12 stall in Grand Norway. Number 99 in Florida is the 12 stall in Alachua, Florida. Number 19 in Wisconsin is the 12 stall at Lake Delton. Number 90 in Norway is the 12 stall at Seljord, Norway. Number 44 in Spain is the 4 stall, 150 kilowatt at Cambril, Spain. Number 105 in France is the 20 stall at Chartres, France. Number 150 in Canada is the 6 stall in Creston, British Columbia. Number 24 in Oregon is the 8 stall in Boardman, Oregon. Number 284 in California is the 10 stall in San Diego at Mission Center Road. Number 96 in the UK is the 8 stall at Farnham, UK. Number 10 in Louisiana is the 8 stall in Natchitoches, Louisiana. Number 3 in Serbia, number 792 in Europe, and number 3,479 in the world is the 8 stall at Belgrade, Serbia. Nice. All right, it's time for the Patreon comment of the week. And BRB said, gas prices plus car troubles put me over the edge this last week. I sold my V8 American ICE vehicle. So we're down to one ICE vehicle instead of two waiting on my Cybertruck. Unfortunately, there will be an extended period of wife and I sharing wheels until the Cybertruck. So, I mean, I think BRB is in the same boat with a lot of people, unfortunately. It doesn't take much to upset the budget of many people, right? These rising gas prices are becoming a huge monthly cost to most families. And as BRB alludes to, ICE cars have thousands of moving parts, parts that get really hot and spin really fast and they wear out. And when something goes wrong with an ICE car, it's usually really expensive to get repaired. And it always seems to happen at the worst time. So I think a lot of people are or will start planning for an EV as these gas prices force them to look for alternatives. It's simply economics. And this speeds up the S-curve. It's going to start looking more like a hockey stick curve. And by the way, as Dennis in Victoria, British Columbia, Canada points out, you think your gas is expensive. Try coming to Victoria, British Columbia, where our average gas price is $2.35 a liter. So if you do the math, that's $10.57 a gallon. In Europe, it's even greater. Now, Although, Dennis, I think your math is off a bit. There are only 3.78 liters in a gallon. So your gas price is Canadian 232 times 3.78, which is 877 Canadian, which is $683 a gallon. But point taken, that's still really expensive. And these are similar prices that we're seeing in Europe. I mean, that's pretty much the same price in France. Wow. Yeah. Again, I want to I want to get on my soapbox, talk about e-bikes. Um <laughs> Uh, Micah Toll had a really good article in Electric this week talking about how uh, if you drive a truck, five tanks of truck gas is the same as buying an e-bike. Wait, what? And and he said for the rest of us, it's seven tanks. Is That's it? Uh, with $5 a gallon for fuel. Yeah. And it's like- wow. it's a, It could be, could be a good investment. Again, you might live somewhere where you're freaking 50 miles away from anything. I understand that's not something that you want to bike around. But you know what? Even if it's, say, 10 miles, that's easy on an e-bike. I've We've done it. Us. Me. I've biked. We we uh, got on a bike trail the other day. We hit the end of it. And then we turned and around. We, we had to turn. We had to turn around. We were looking for more trail. I would have gone further. And then get, coming home was not the sweaty regret that you usually have on right. a bike. I'm just saying something to think about for our, our buddy BRB. Yeah. Maybe anybody can work for you. I have no Even idea. Even if it's only for a few days of the week, like maybe you double up, you know, in carpool for a few days and then on nice days you take a bike. Um, Your your body's going to love it. Mm -hmm. You're going to love it. Yeah. And uh, your bank's going to love it. it. That is true. So well, your bank might not love it, but your bank account <laughs> will love it. <laughs> anyway, it's something to think about. Uh, I know the gas prices. I mean, they hurt. 
They even hurt people who drive EVs. I mean, you might be going, but Jesse, you don't have to go to the pump. And I don't, but everything else is expensive because of it. And and everyone knows this. It's not not some big secret. No, Um, but we really could help the economy if our economy switched to EVs because then e-trucks and EVs would be driving our stuff around, which means it would be cheaper for all of us. Like, that's why we need to change over to electric. we could generate our own f***ing electricity. Yep. You know, you could be generating your own power at home. It would be like if you had a little gas pump at at your house with a little little refinery and everything. It's so true. Which is impossible, really. Why for you to don't do. we call it freedom energy? It's freedom energy. It falls from the sky every day, and yeah. all you have to do is just you know pick it up, dust it off, and put it into a car, and you're ready to go. Yeah. So, this is why we do this channel. It's because we're actually really f-ing passionate about this. Shit. And you know what? When people actually listen to us and they do it, they write to us a year later and go, "Oh my God, it's yeah. changed my life." And we just want to keep giving you that message. It's true. What yeah. we're saying here is true. Also, if you drive an EV and you want to feel good about it. Start tracking how much money you've saved Good point. at the pump. Good point. Um, it, it might be just a fun little exercise for you to do. Um, you plug in your car when you get home and you go, oh, how far did I travel today? Mm-hmm. Oh, I went 50 miles. Oh, that would have cost me this much money in gas. Mm-hmm. Also, start offering rides to your friends. Um, we've talked about this before, but just if you drive an EV, just offer to drive people around because A, they will appreciate it and B, they're going to go, man, I really got to get me an EV. Well, to your point, Tesla app does that for you. It, it tells you how much money you saved at the pump without you having to even do a spreadsheet. That's a really good point. So yeah, keep track of that. Uh, I'd love to see those as some- Send bit, those in. Yeah. I'd love to see some community mail times uh, of like really big trips that you've done and how much money you've saved. Yeah. Um, anyway, thank you so much for joining us today. Again, thank you so much to our Patreon patrons for scrolling by over here. Um, this show doesn't happen without them and we've done it for over 300 weeks in a row wow. um, with absolutely no stopping in sight. So um, congratulations to our community. Be sure to leave a like. We'll see you next week. Now you know. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corian's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corian.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corian.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.